If you've listened to the podcast, you've heard me deconstruct the idea of your life's purpose. In its most basic form, your purpose is a set of emotional states that you cultivate within yourself and then express to the world through acts of service and through goals which help you come alive. But expression can be a huge threat to our nervous systems, especially if we grew up in a home or in an upbringing where we had to conform, where we had to dim our lights, where we had to please other people at the expense of ourselves. Today in this Transformation Tuesday episode, you're going to hear me coach somebody through this block in real time. If there is part of you that knows you are not truly living your most authentic life, I think today is going to be a breakthrough for you as well. Welcome to episode 118 of Life Amplified. My name is Dan Mason. In 2012, I was overweight, getting divorced, battling depression, and feeling trapped in a career where I was successful but bored and unfulfilled. And it's actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. I use my pain as a springboard to discover my life's purpose. Now, I want to share the same tools and strategies which help transform my life with you. So you can live Life Amplified. If you're like many of the clients who come to me to work in my one-on-one or group coaching programs, you know there is a next level in your career, in your finances, in your relationship. But for some reason, you get caught up in all those self-sabotage patterns like procrastination, perfectionism, people-pleasing, and it keeps you stuck and you'd never close the gap between where you are and where you want to be. For today's Coaching Corner participant, it's been a problem for him as well. You're going to meet Brian, a man with a huge creative vision, and no matter how many times his friends and family have told him his ideas are valid and he should pursue them, he's been stuck from taking action. I'm going to help him get to a massive breakthrough today on the podcast. Some of the principles that you're going to hear me coaching him through are attachment patterns. You've heard me talk about that in past episodes, but you're really going to start to understand in real life how the beliefs that we create based on our childhood attachments to our caregivers can block us from manifesting our goals. And the other point I hope that you walk away with today is that all the patterns that we call self-sabotage are not actually sabotage at all. They are predictable protection patterns of behavior that keep us safe and keep us from recreating some of our greatest childhood trauma. Now, this is something that we've never done in three years on the podcast is just blindly coach a listener to a breakthrough, but I hope this provides value to you. If you love what you're hearing and if it resonates, please let me know. Screenshot this podcast, upload it to Instagram or Twitter, and be sure to tag me at CSC Dan Mason. I would love to know how this coaching impacts you. You can also join our private Facebook group. We have a link to that in the show notes. And by the way, if you would like to be coached in person here on the podcast, you can apply. I'm not sure how many of these episodes we're going to do. It's basically an experiment, but we have a link to the application uh, right here in the show notes. And remember, we will protect your privacy. If there are things that are very delicate for you to speak about openly, we can always change your name and protect your anonymity. In the meantime, enjoy this coaching. Enjoy the breakthrough. You're going to discover how to find your authentic voice this week on Life Amplified. Friends and family, welcome Brian to Life Amplified. How are you, my friend? 
Hi, Dan. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing so well. Appreciate you signing up uh, and, and putting yourself out there to be the guinea pig <laughs> to be coached live on the podcast. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about the outcome. The outcome that you want to create in your life is that you're producing a new video on TikTok and YouTube every weekday. Tell me more about why. This idea has been in my head for the last couple of months, to be honest, maybe even a year. Um, I've made some changes in my life and I feel called in a way to express myself more. Um, I just have a lot of moments where I, I have a whole digital notebook of ideas that I come up with, of things to talk about, things to share, things I see. And there's part of me that really wants to share this. And when I do share some of these things, you know, create this kind of creative outlet stuff that comes in my head privately, people love it. And not just friends and family that are trying to be friendly and all, but I'll try it on strangers that I meet or new people that I meet. So I know that the stuff is good, um, but I still feel uh, holding back from expressing this because I feel it's the most authentic and deepest thoughts and, and creative concepts in my head. And I can feel it like inside when I hold it back on in. I physically feel that this needs to come on out, but I still feel myself holding myself back. And how long have you been stuck in this area when it comes to expressing this, uh, these authentic ideas that you want to share with the world? If I'm being completely honest, a few years, probably been in my head for about seven years. It's So what's getting in the way? What's keeping you from achieving the goal? It's a lot of just afraid of what people are going to say, what they're going to think, what could come out from it if people are going to think I'm a you know, a bad person for sharing my opinions and my thoughts, even though they may not agree with me because, well, we, you spend any day on Facebook and you just see comments galore. And I just imagine that coming my way. And I feel it's better to be safe and kind of play the please everybody instead of being authentically my own voice. So where did you learn that model of the world that rather than be authentically your voice that you need to please everybody? I think a lot of that comes from just wanting to be liked in school. I never felt I felt I fit in at all. I always, when everyone did, uh, you know, sports or extracurricular activities, I was always doing some, some other thing that I enjoyed or work or something that nobody else was doing. I was kind of always a lone wolf, but I always felt that I wanted to be part of the clique, part of the group. Still to this day, I even feel it when I go out socially with people. If I go to a networking event and don't feel as if I belong, I still feel all of those insecurities come on out. So the desire for belonging is a motivator for you. Does this pattern of not feeling like you belong just show up just show up at network events or in your creativity or in your writing or does this show up in multiple areas of your life oh multiple areas networking events going out socially just with friends uh, meeting new people even honestly with my family because i'm kind of the lone wolf that moved away from my hometown and kind of doing my own life and even when i go back i still feel it i remember at my grandma's funeral last year seeing some extended family and just feeling completely disconnected and this kind of longing. I understood that my life is different, but I knew that I was just different. Albeit in that sense, it feels different, but I just can tell that that underlying desire to want to be liked is in pretty much every even personal connection that I try to make. I know I can feel it, even though I know people like me if I am just me, but I can feel it in, in every part. This has nothing to do with other people's opinions. You've stated that the ideas that you have creatively, you've shared with other people and they think it's great. You've yeah. stated that when you're out and you're being yourself around other people, 
that there hasn't been any instance in adulthood of you just authentically being yourself around other people that they're telling you to fuck off. But you hit on something interesting. You said this even goes back to your family. So that's yeah. where I want to start. Who was the parent that you craved the most love and attention from growing up? Not which one gave you the most love and attention, but who did you crave it from, mom or dad? That's a great question. I would say mom. What did you have to do to get love from mom? Do everything that was needed and helped. I mean, as an example, when my father was really sick a couple of years ago, I moved back. I was living in New York City and I moved to my home state of Ohio to move back to help dad out uh, because he needed the help. But mom also just really needed the help. I kind of felt some underlying desire to want to help, to felt a need and a, uh, a responsibility to help. And then even after my dad died, I still feel that I, I can tell that, you know, even when wanting to just fly back to see her for a, a, you know, a couple days here and there, a lot of that is, while it's nice to see her, I almost feel a bit of guilt underneath it too. I almost feel as if I have to keep her happy to, you know, not say, you know, certain things, not to express certain things. And then even when I do that, I kind of almost lash out in a way. I get, I go to the extreme when I'm very vocal and honest because I can tell whether she doesn't care or just doesn't understand. And what's funny is that I've thought of this before and I realized that a lot of these tendencies my father had too. And after he passed away and I would think back to the last few years of his life and even growing up, there was a lot of that wanting to keep my mom happy, keep my grandmother happy. And he never really vocalized himself or expressed what he was feeling. What age did that pattern start at? This idea that I have to do everything needed that's helpful to make sure mom's happy. I don't know the age, but there is kind of a moment I think of. Uh, I would probably say I was between nine and like nine, 10, 11 around there. We were out for a family drive and my parents were in a fight. But at one point, my dad pulled over to the side of the road. And this is a busy four lane highway in the middle of the country. He get, he pulls over to the side and my mom gets out and starts walking. And then my dad drives off. And I remember every, I remember looking at my dad and actually cursing him out and saying words that someone that age shouldn't know. Like, go get her, go get her. What are you doing? Stop this. And I remember the look on his face being just really angry about everything, stopping and then picking my mom up. And for some reason, that was the first thing that came to my head was that mm. moment. Under that, there's this idea that I need to look out for mom. I need to protect mom. First of all, what's the emotion that you feel when you talk about that story? Guilt. Guilt that I have to that I have to be a good son, that I have to make sure that everybody's happy and everybody's taken care of. So the way to be a good son in your mind was to what? Make sure mom had her needs taken care of, that you put mom first, that you were like responsible to emotionally regulate her. Tell me more. Yeah, to make sure she's taken care of, to make sure that she's happy. So that way I don't get them angry and don't get in trouble. Yeah, just don't want to feel the the wrath of doing something wrong and then all of a sudden, you know, getting punished, even though I might have not known that I did something wrong. You've sort of given me the roadmap here to get love, which is to make sure mom's happy, take care of mom. But what is the roadmap for punishment with mom? What could you do? Who could you not be? What resulted in some sort of love being withheld? Getting good grades not really fully expressing myself, kind of just following the mold of what everybody else is doing. 
Um, I would always say, hey, I want to do, you know, we should do this, or I think we should do this. And there was always some reason why we shouldn't. Any time I would want to express myself or do something differently, it was always, no, we have to do it this way. This is the way we always do it. What I just realized is that so much of my life now is completely opposite of that, of what we would have traditionally done or what you would have expected me to do when I grew up. And I do the complete opposite of you know what I do or where I live and how I live. But anytime I would try to just fully express myself or, or you know, experiment, you know, you, you couldn't because this is the way we always do it. You have to follow the rules and do it this way. So expression is a threat. Making sure other people are happy equals love. Well, there you go. <laughs> welcome to welcome to your childhood attachment, by the way, <laughs> which we talk a lot about on this podcast. But remember, when we talk about attachment patterns, anxious attachment, avoidant attachment, whichever one, wherever you fall on the continuum, it's all related in your relationship with mom. Mom is primary attachment figure for all of us. Mom is the one that carried us. And if mom and dad's relationship is dysfunctional or dysregulated, and there's a lack of safety between mom and dad, i.e., He's going to leave me on the side of the interstate and drive away. Right. It's impossible for a mother to make a child feel safe if she's not getting her needs met in the relationship. So at least we have a map now on what this is about. Are you tracking with me? I am. As you were saying that, I just kept think. I just keep coming back to thinking about how my dad felt pretty much exactly like this, and how that just becomes such a naha over the last year of I can. I just think of so many different moments where my parents got in a fight or mom shared more information about their relationship than I needed to know. And just learning and hearing that about how he would try to make her happy, but never really did. And I don't think they should have been married for as long as they did, but he still stuck around. But I could tell that just kind of really wore on him of that people pleasing, that not able to be himself and what he wanted to do with his life. I just see so much of that. And it's almost as if I I try too hard on the other side of the spectrum now to go and do things because I feel almost rebellious in a way of, well, this is what everyone else wanted me to do or what they expect me to do. So I'm going to go do the complete opposite. Tell me more about that, the rebellion piece. Just because I don't feel as if I fit in or belong where I grew up and my old friends and family. So I moved to New York. I moved to LA. I'm not married. I don't have kids. I'm in, you know, 38 years old. I don't have any of that. You know, what you normally would do traditionally, I do completely opposite. I have a live a completely different life. And don't get me wrong. I, you know, I get to do some really awesome things, but I always felt that I never really fit into all that other mold and felt that I needed to just go and do completely different things that are completely different than everybody else. What became the behavior when you were in a, in a story as a child of I can't express myself, I can't do the things I want, that's yeah. not allowed. What became the behavior that manifested from that story? I would do it. Holy crap. <laughs> mm. I know this is a stretch, my brother. You're doing great. What was the behavior right. at the top level that you used to cope when you were in the story of, I can't express myself or we can't do what I want? Right. I just realized, no, it just, cause I was like, wow. Um, I would express myself in little ways, but not fully. If I was, say, when I was in a choir, I would join the choir, but I would never do a solo because it would be too much. wouldn't want to put myself out there. I would always kind of, I don't want to say dumb down everything I do, but I would say I want to do you know, this upper level thing, but I go, no, get a couple steps down. 
just a couple steps down every every time for all that of no i want to be you know the star of this no you can just you know you know work behind the scenes you don't need to do the big thing i always would express myself a little bit and go in that direction but never fully go balls to the wall can i say balls to the wall in your podcast you can say balls all you balls want balls yes. to the walls but never go fully all in. And then it would kill me inside because I'd go, no, that's the direction of what you want to do. And I just would play, I just would just constantly play small. That's what I just wrote down here in my notes. So protection pattern for you, the way that you've protected yourself from pain that you learned to in childhood was I will play small. Right. Every time I would think, oh, I want to do, you know, this, you know, this play or whatever. No, I don't want to fully express myself or, you know, maybe I'll just get the little part that never was fully, you know, going to the really big thing, even though I knew I would look at what other people were doing and go, I can do that. I can do that. But I always felt, no, you, you can't do that. You have to just kind of, you know, play small in a way. Don't fully put yourself out there. Don't go fully all on in. You don't know what, you know, what could happen, what would be said about you. You know, you've been made fun of before when you would put yourself out there and be fully yourself growing up many times. So just kind of, you know, keep everybody happy, do a little thing here and there, but never go fully all in. And where is that pattern showing up in your life now, as it pertains to the goal (laughs) of, you know, producing daily content on YouTube and TikTok and putting your yourself out there? Uh, Every day, you know, I'll put something on Instagram, but it's a cool sunset photo because everybody likes sunset photos. We'll do that. Or cool, I see a cute observation of something. I'll share that. That's fine. There's always surface level, which is funny because I hate surface level conversation. If you were a color, what color would you be? No one cares, but I play in that because it's safe and you know it's you know quote unquote family friendly and fun, and you know some people like it, but it's not fully my thing. And then I know when I put it out there, it doesn't feel good. Notice what you just said: family friendly. It's not family friendly to the masses, because it's not like your content is going out there to the Disney channel, unless that's where you decide that that's where you want to be is on Nickelodeon and the Disney channel. Family friendly is a response about your family. Wow. That's so true. The other piece of this is that you have had success and gotten attention through your comedy. That's true. Yes. In fact, an account that you've been linked to, and we can talk a little bit about that if you want, but you have an account that that is seasonal, that has gained a lot of traction on Twitter, that has been featured, I believe, in the New York Post. It's been a Wall Street Journal, Today Show, pretty much every major news outlet has done something about it. Your Twitter account got into a very public beef with Al Roker from the Today Show. (laughs) Yep. So let's talk about that. And you have an account that does very well seasonally where you write a Twitter account for the Christmas tree at 30 Rock. What is it that's enabled you to have success (laughs) with that account? I'll put it this way. Last year, after I finished it, one of my good friends said, why don't you be like that as yourself all the time? Like if you know me personally, and then like you, you read my stuff and you understand it, you go, yeah, that's, that's actually how he thinks. That's his thought, but it's easy to hide behind the character. It's easy to hide behind that persona, that thing that I created. And then what's funny is that then even at the end of the year, you know, people like the character. I feel like sometimes people like the character more than me because I can hide behind the character. But then me, you know, and my personal presence online, then people don't like as much because it's not 
as fun or not as I should say fun, but as authentic as the voices. If the 30 Rock Tree account were a person, if it was just a dude, what would be three values or characteristics that you would use to describe? How would you see, if it were a human, how would you describe him? Someone that observes life and people differently, that lives life differently, likes to express that more than anything, just express the nuances of human life and what it observes because it can go into a scenario or situation and see it differently than people that are inside of it, but does it in a way that wants to help or express it so that way people can see it and maybe understand that it's okay maybe to change or do something different. There's kind of an underlying love for the reasoning or the thoughts that it sees. So the characteristics you're giving me, these are the words that I'm picking out. Observant, different, expressive, loving, and funny. Yes. So that's how you see this alter ego. And it has a bit of a prima donna, I want attention element to it. Likes to be the center of attention. Likes to be the center of attention. Knows it's the center of attention. Plays up on that it's the center of attention and doesn't care. Would you say the avatar here for the tree would be a dude that owns his value and knows? Oh, yes. Yeah. I know I'm the big shot right now and you're paying attention to me. And that's right. You're going to pay attention to me. So there's a confidence. Yes. Oh, very much so. Very much a confidence. Observant, different, expressive, loving, funny, owns his value and confident. Now, give me a list of characteristics for how you see yourself. Loving and caring, observant, creative. I mean, in a way, it's pretty much what I said before, but I keep a lot of those things hidden. Many ways, confident, knows that my, my stuff is different and good. Someone that sees life differently and wants to share it with other people because he doesn't like the status quo of everything and wants to express that to the world and try to help that. The same, for the most part, the same list of words you gave me for the tree. I didn't say funny, though. (laughs) You did not say funny, and we didn't say anything about owning your value. That's very true. So the good news is you've already had success as a creative type, as a comedian, as a writer, enough so that Al Roker took attention and you've been featured on the Today Show and the Wall Street Journal. That usually doesn't happen for people that suck or who have ideas that suck. You're 90% there. You're embodying loving, caring, observant, creative. I'll challenge you a little bit on confident because you're not actually taking the steps out there. Maybe you are confident in the idea but you're missing the courage to put it out there as you. So what's missing is the courage, owning your value, and funny. Correct. Because I always put myself down if someone says you're funny. I always don't. I never say thank you. I always say, oh, okay, sure, whatever. Some people, I always have some deflective attempt at a joke to deflect the comment every time. Why? Because... I don't know why, but I feel as if I still haven't received approval that it's not as if the comedy God has come on down from the heavens and put a crown down on me and went, you go, son, go ahead. You know, there have been many times where even with my successful Twitter account, I would get just crap from people in the comedy world and online. And, you know, it's not done the traditional way. 
you know, I, I always felt that before growing up, starting out in this line of work, I was kind of going down the traditional route of media and all. And even though I had a little success in it, I never fully went in. I kind of always did my own thing. I always wanted to do my own way of doing it. There was an entrepreneur still inside of me that wanted to, that wanted to come on out. So I've always done it my own way. And when you do it your own way, you're kind of out in, you know, on an island out in the ocean by yourself, literally, which is funny because I do live on an island out in the ocean in the Caribbean. It's always felt that because I do it my own way and I don't have, you know, the traditional route of how everybody else does it, I don't have the right to say I am, you know, a comedian or I'm a humorist because I don't have it. I haven't done it the traditional way to be able to say, yes, you know, this group of people or this thing said I am funny. So then the pattern becomes what? You start playing small? Yeah, I play small. I will kind of dab in that. Maybe I'll help someone write something else or I'll I'll help someone with a project instead of, you know, putting my own stuff on out there. I will try to get another way out there. That's the pattern of the 10-year-old kid. If there's not approval from everybody, then I must play small. Yeah, very much so. Whose permission do you need to share your creativity with the world? Like you talked about this idea uh, of the comedy God. I don't think there's going to be a second coming of comedy Jesus. Richard Pryor is not going to come back from the afterlife to take all the good comedians home. I don't know if there is no answer that says, yeah, that this is in a way, I guess, my family, but it doesn't really matter. But in, in a way, because like what I talked about with wanting to be liked and wanting to be part of something, because I never was fully part of the comedy community in New York or LA when I lived there or in the media world when I was working in the media world, I never was fully part of it. I mean, it was it's similar exact way that I'm talk, what I was talking about in, you know, in high school and in grade school, never being fully part of the clique and part of that crowd. So that becomes the belief, though. The belief started with your family. And remember... That once we hardwire in a belief neurally, which usually that's all we do before the age of 11, is we just become indoctrinated, right? you know, with the beliefs of other people telling us what we should do, what we can't do, what's possible, what's not, then we're just going to subconsciously recreate circumstances that go back to prove the belief true. The belief is, is I don't belong. You'll find a reason not to belong anywhere. And if the belief is, is it's just me, I'm on an island, nobody gets me. It also explains why you might move to an island in the Caribbean to be alone and be on an island. Very true. You've built your life around the belief. Life will organize around whatever the belief is. We don't get what we want in life. None of us do, but we get our beliefs. The problem is you're looking for belonging in some other place that's going to like roll out a red carpet and invite you in, but you're not belonging to yourself first. Every time you play small, every time you give up and collapse on a dream or you don't follow through on this idea you've had for seven years, you're not belonging to yourself, which is where all this starts. That's true. And if you look and, and there is, there's also a part of you that is already doing this. It's just that you're comfortable doing it behind the avatar of the 30 Rock tree on Twitter. Right. That version of you, I mean, because that is you, you are the voice. That guy is all the same things that you own in your life. Loving, caring, observant, creative, even confident in his ideas. But the piece that you're lacking is owning his value, which is a big part of belonging. So the thing that you're looking to create is already within you. You're not lacking. You've already done it, you've executed it, and you've had enormous success with it and gotten national media coverage from it. I just have to own it for myself. 
Yeah. And the thing is, I know that from just success, the success from that or the success, little other successes I've had, but everything that when I am that, it feels very authentic and real. But then what comes into my life, the people, the opportunities, genuinely life just feels right, I guess. It feels authentic. It feels, yeah, this is the way it's supposed to be. And when you're not owning it and you want to please other people, you will attract people in your life who want you to please them (laughs) and will want you to be what they want you, what they want you to be. Right. And then I get frustrated. Why am I attracting these people into my life? Because they want me to be this when I'm not that. And I look at that and go, I can't do that. So replace the word attract with choose. There's part of you that's choosing that because it's a familiar pattern and it fits the mold of how you learn to get love growing up. Hey, here's some other people I can make happy, even if I have to collapse on myself. That's true. And I choose that every single time. You choose it because it's the way that you learn to get love. And it kills me inside every single time I do it. And I know it. Yeah. Because there's also, I'm sure, part of you that's like, well, I'm not being loved for who I really am. I'm being loved for who other people need. And yet there's tens of thousands of Twitter followers and people in the media who love the part of you that's fully expressing himself on a Twitter account. It's just that they don't know it's you. So if the belief that's holding you back is I don't fit in, we need a new belief that actually empowers you. Okay. What would that be? I, don't, I want to say I don't need to fit in, but that's bad because that's actually a negative. That doesn't make sense. Uh, a positive one would be I fit in with myself. Something about I belong to myself, that I'm strong as me and in, internally, and that's all that really matters. I belong to myself is a great place to start. And if you truly believe that you belong to yourself, what would be the new emotion that you feel besides guilt and fear. Love and acceptance for myself and empowering, very empowering, because that's all that matters is I belong to myself and love myself. And I'll be, I say that I don't totally feel it as I say it, but. Of course you don't feel it yet because you haven't allowed yourself to. You just have to start at the level of belief of I belong to myself. That becomes your new mantra every time you're in a place of self-doubt. And let that create a new emotional state. And the new emotions would create a new story. If the old story is, I don't want to upset people, what would the new story be? I'm confident in my voice and what I say and do. And if the new story was- I'm confident in myself. So if you believe that you belong to yourself and you felt loving and empowered, and then you felt confident within yourself, what would the new behavior be to replace playing small? saying and doing what comes to my head and just trusting my gut, trusting God or source, whatever you want to call it. And what I think and, and, and I feel expressed, called to express and not just professionally, but personally with people and friends and people that I meet, I just do. Because I know that if my voice has been right before, then it's, I'm safe to do it again. And it's okay. How is so from that new hierarchy and belief system, what's your next action step? <laughs> the honest answer is I don't know. I know you don't know, I don't know but if you I don't did know, know, what would you say? Ah, because I think I do know. It's just that it's to say, all right, I'm going to write out what I want to say, what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, and then say, how do I want to express that? Can I do a brain dump? Just say, what do I want to say? What do I want to express? Let that be a starting point. What would you do if you knew that you couldn't fail? 
rather than giving me these things like, oh, I'll do a brain dump and I'll figure it out. I think you already know what your idea is. You said you've been sitting on it for seven years. If I knew I couldn't fail, I'd create a video every single day with the top thought in my head of things I find absolutely ridiculous in the world and share it out with people because I think it needs to be expressed and I want people to hear it. And I want to do my part for the world to see it completely differently for what it's thinking right now and feel confident that what I'm saying is something that needs to be said. Not bad for somebody who didn't know what the next step was 30 (laughs) seconds ago. (laughs) Amazing how that works out like that, huh? The problem is, is whenever we say, I don't know, like if we don't know how to get there, if we don't, if we're hung up on how it's going to happen and how it will be received and all the things about the outcome, mm-hmm. if we don't know how to create it, then we'll, then we'll never allow ourselves to have clarity in the first place. We'll stay stuck in a story of, I don't know, but everybody knows what they would do if they had $5 million in the bank. Yeah, I wouldn't be on this call with you right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no true. offense. You wouldn't need the advice. No, you're right. That is the that is what it is, is that open, honest, just pure expression. And knowing that it comes from inside and that that voice has been right on so many different ways before. And in a way, a lot of those ideas come through my character. Uh, it's just that it's amplified in a a bit more authentic and more my real voice instead of hiding behind the character in that sense. Great. So when's the first video going to be up and posted? Uh, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And okay. here's the thing is like, you don't have to feel ready to be ready. You know, there's right. unfortunately a nine-year-old part of you that's been running a lot of areas in your life that made some beliefs, created a construct of what life is, what your place in the world is and how possible it is for you to get your needs met there. We, you made those decisions, by the way, I mean, they probably protected you and kept you safe and got you love as a kid. So we don't want to kick that part of yourself, right? We don't want to treat that part of yourself the way that your caretakers did. We want to love that part of you for keeping you safe, but also realize that none of those things, that all those things that kept you safe as a child are now poison for you today. That's very true. For your expression and for your purpose and for the things that you feel led to create. How do you feel right now, though? Uh, relieved, in a way. I feel, I feel a bit excited, a bit scared, I guess, in a way, because I know, like, okay, now it's time to act. But I feel... I kind of feel definitely a pressure laid off of, okay, I kind of knew this, I think, but you were able to help me see it in a different way that made me go, okay, you're fine. It's all good. Let's move forward now. I'm kind of in a, let's, let's do this mode right now. Kind of excited and kind of scared is what, is what growth feels like, by the way. Yeah. So get used to that feeling because if you're going to be growing and creating more content and sort of playing on the edge, which is where we all need to be, you have to get used to that feeling, but it's a good place to be. It means that you're stepping out of the comfort zone and you're taking risks. And when you're taking risks that are in the direction of your purpose, then you'll always end up where you need to be. I appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. One of the key points that I coach people on over and over is you can never outperform your subconscious identity. And you heard Brian have that massive aha moment that the idea of playing small is not really who he was at the level of identity. It was a pattern that kept him safe and helped him meet the expectations of the tribe 
growing up in childhood. But the moment that we start to take those protection patterns and we believe it's who we are at our core, well, I'm not a person to follow through. I'm a procrastinator. I play small. I'm risk averse. It's hard for us to ever take behavior that will move us beyond the identity. That part of you has to fight for its existence and you'll hang on to it even if it doesn't serve you because it's familiar. And underneath that familiarity, there's a sense of protection from failure, rejection, or ridicule from other people. And what you also heard in real time was the textbook definition of anxious attachment. When we grow up in a home where we become more concerned with taking care of other people and keeping them safe, you know, in order to keep ourselves safe, well, that anxiety becomes a pattern and we will continue to support everybody else often at the expense of ourselves. So I honor Brian's vulnerability. It takes a lot of courage to come on a podcast like this and just open yourselves up. But I know that he got a valuable breakthrough and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what's in store for him on the other side. I'd love to help you achieve a breakthrough also. If you would love to volunteer to be here on the podcast, you can fill out an application. We have a link to the application posted in the show notes. And don't forget, if you're skeptical about putting yourself out there and being coached on the podcast, but you need some private support to help you move beyond the patterns that have kept you stuck so you can step into your next level of success, happiness, and fulfillment, I do have some very limited one-on-one coaching spots available right now. You can fill out an application for that by going to my website, creativesoulcoaching.net. This has been a year in my client family where new careers have been born, new businesses have been started, soulmate relationships have finally been found, and I would love to add you onto the list as the next success story. So creativesoulcoaching.net is where you go for info on that. Hey, if you're loving the podcast and this offered value to you, or if you know somebody in your life who's stuck and struggling the way Brian is, can you screenshot the podcast and share this with your friends? Uh, You can also upload it to Instagram or Twitter. You can tag me at CSC Dan Mason. Don't forget, give us a follow here on the iHeartRadio app if you're brand new to the podcast. And for my friends on Apple, we gladly accept those five-star ratings and reviews if you could just take 90 seconds out of your day uh, and share how this podcast is helping you grow your life and how it's positively impacting you, it would mean the world. In the meantime, turn down the volume on your negativity, turn up the volume on your purpose so you can live life amplified. I'll talk to you next time.